welcome to Track Under Black Podcast for the Miniature Hobby Enthusiast, which is a tagline that John thinks is lukewarm. Lukewarm on it. Comment below if you think that's a lukewarm tagline. Yeah. I mean, I, kinda, I think it's lukewarm. <laughs> it's sitting in the pool. We're already getting the analogies. <laughs> oh, sitting in <laughs> you, your, your water analogies. Yeah, you're sitting in the swimming pool in the shallow end, and it's lukewarm because all the pee. Yeah. That's from all the four-year-olds because they can't go in the deep end and me drowned. <laughs> <laughs> and uncle johnny yeah because i pee in the in the shallow end and then i go to the deep end so i don't have to he's swim on, he's on his eighth miller light <laughs> yeah it just goes right through you <laughs> you know unlike last episode this episode we have a bit of energy yes we're not hungover not correct and have well three i'm hours not you sleep. look a little tired right now well that's because i just woke up and drove here well, okay <laughs> and like this hat is probably squishing my face together <laughs> okay that's good my eyes are a little tired Thanks, Scott. Your eyes. Like they're their own independent being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My eyes are tired. <laughs> I need to replace them. Anyways, we have an episode chock full of things not related to the topic today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much so that we picked a topic that was probably easier to discuss in a shorter time frame so that we can get through this episode in under three hours. Yes. That is the goal. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's always the goal. It's obtainable. Yeah. I think. So first things first, last week's week, last bi-week's episode, uh, we... we I had a lot of conversations, I remember, that inspired me to go out and buy miniatures. Mm. And buy miniatures I did. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, so one was about uh, expressionism as an art form uh, and how, what that would look like in uh, miniature painting. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not the first person to explore this, but I bought this bust from F.E.R. called Radagundis. Mm. It was this kind of... Uh, Trolly looking dude. Trolly looking, pathetic, kind of sad, kind of Quasimodo esque. Quasimodo, ex- yeah. yeah. There you go, Quasimodo esque. Perfect, and that just kind of mirrors in a way how I feel internally sometimes. And so I'm gonna paint that in a style that also ho- hopefully emphasizes that feeling. But also, I thought it was important that the subject matter itself emphasized that feeling. And uh, I'm not looking for pity right now. <laughs> uh, like, wow, it was a sappy story. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I just wanted I wanted to try that out. I have no idea how I'm going to paint it, but I'm looking forward to getting that. That was number one. Number two, you convinced me to buy that uh, Spira Mirablis yeah. dwarf bust thing. Yeah, the dwarven miner. And you ended up buying it yourself, right? Oh, yeah. I bought it. Okay. Now it's this fear proof. of missing out thing now. Like right. we've It's hit us full full bore at this yeah. point. For the last two or three of his minis, we've gone back and far and been like, I don't love it, but it's kind of cool. And yeah. I hear the quality is amazing. And this one, we just couldn't hold back anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as you all know, I am racist against dwarves. And even I bought it. No, I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Um, but man, that King Goblin, I want that. Anyways. Yeah. So yeah, got that thing. And then I went ham on hassle-free miniatures and red box miniatures two websites that have similar objectives, it seems, Mm -hmm. to make very characterful 28, 30-millimeter sculpts Mm -hmm. uh, that are also incredibly uh, cheap. Mm. So it's like these minis cost between $5 and $10 a pop. And so I bought a ton of human like soldiers and typical fantasy garb, some dwarves, some goblins, some halflings, and... I'm, I, I have no plan for them, but I'm just excited to use them maybe in a diorama. Maybe I'll have like the, I have bought this dwarf chick who's like leaping with the sword over her head. Ooh. Maybe I'll have her leaping on that goblin warrior who's like prepared and I can call it like Battle of the Shorties or something like that. <laughs> you know, just a fun thing like that. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And then I bought a Blood Bowl team as well. Oh, man, it just keeps going. Oh, um, this list. The Athalorn Avengers, of course, the Wood Elves. 
What? You bought what else? What? And I, I've been inspired recently by Marco Frazzoni, not just Mika. <laughs> not just Mika. <laughs> you sound Jamaican. <laughs> well, he does in my head. <laughs> okay, if anyone can tell us below what not just Mecca means, means or like why it's included, we'd love to know. But Marco, I love your videos. Uh, I'm super inspired by, you know, he paints Warcry war bands yeah. in five hours, six hours, whatever it is. And they look really good. Really good. And I want to try to to do that with the Athalorn Avengers. I'll have a Blood Bowl team, which satisfies my desire to have one of everything. Mm. Um, maybe I can make a video out of it and shout him out and kind of try out his process, which is typically pretty ink heavy. Yes. Pretty oil wash heavy sometimes. Yeah. Very, very airbrush heavy mm -hmm. work yep. and very ink Hints. Yes. Lots of usage of the undercoat and whatnot. Yep. So I'm excited to try that out. I think that's everything that I bought, and it was kind of a lot. So I feel like there was more, but I'm forgetting other things that I, I just scrolled through your list of mile-long goodies and pictures <laughs> of minis. Um, I, I had spent a lot of money recently as well. I checked my uh, credit card that I use for... Um, Hobby expenses and selling. Wait, you, you have a hobby expenses well, credit that's card? My business account. Uh, <laughs> okay. And it was at like eight hundred dollars. God month. damn! Like, this well, month? Yeah. And I'm like, oops, what did I buy? What did you buy? That's I thought I bought a lot. Well, I spent like hundred fifty bucks. <laughs> well, we went to the source last time I was here. Yeah. And I spent like eighty bucks there on GW stuff. Okay, one tenth the way there. One tenth. Um, <laughs> I bought that light last. All these are related to me being here. And oh, no. Up. I bought that sweet-ass light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 150 bucks. Yeah, you need the disco mode. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I showed it to my daughter, and she thought it was the greatest oh, thing. Oh, you got ever. it already? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're, like, playing with it? That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got to use the, the police sirens on, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, oh, I bought upper cabinets for my painting area, for yeah, my Kia. with nice smoked glass. Smoke. They have smoked glass. And they have the the quiet clothes, and they they open like a DeLorean door. Yeah, like um, yeah, like butterfly doors. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so I, like you can slam them, and they go. Close. <laughs> so now sound. I have to get more lights. I'm gonna buy some LED lights to put like backlight the inside of it. Oh, stuff. very Just sexy. For no good reason, other right. than I want to look cool. Right, right, right. Um, I bought some other minis and stuff, and I can't even remember. Oh, I bought a bunch more Abtulung oil paints okay so now i think i own almost all of those <laughs> and those are like 40 45 bucks a little set so a couple more of those oh boy um i just go through through my ebay and my um amazon history is pretty bad That's i dirty. bought i bought some more kingdom death minis mm. on ebay i found the king i don't know if you know who the king is i've heard of it but i can't picture it he's he's a is this big like robed weird thing <laughs> and like in the inside you can see all these like arms and hands coming out that it's like a bunch of people in there oh you know it's like when the little rascals they all sit on each other's shoulders and they put the big trench coat on yeah. to look like an adult with the mustache yes it's basically that you know it reminds me of uh the ghost of christmas past in Ebenezer oh, Scrooge, yes. where he has those like poor, impoverished, impoverished children under his robe. That gets real dark in that part of that movie. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, go on. Okay, so I got that. I bought some other ones. and Yeah, so long story short, it was a rough uh, credit card payment. Yeah. Month. Yikes. And that leads to something else I wanted to talk about today. I'm so excited to see this. Uh, I brought over a magazine. Okay. He's and got a magazine in his hands. It's the year 2020, and how often 
do you get these in the mail where you get like a, a thing that's a like a mail order magazine? Right. Does that even happen anymore? Like, I mean, I feel like Black Friday is the biggest time for that to true, happen. True. But people still want that. that My physical. wife is all about the magazines around Black Friday. She oh, loves man. the coupons. Yeah. Well, like when you, you go and you get that Black Friday newspaper and it's like four inches thick. <laughs> yeah. Of all the ads. You plan your route, dude. Yeah, you gotta know. You gotta. What's my What's my priority order? Is <laughs> yeah. it Best Buy first? Yes. Is it Target first? Or am I gonna go over and hit the Dick Blick? <laughs> Who knows? Dick Blick Black Friday. I didn't, I never thought about that. <laughs> it's a great Blake idea. Black Friday. Yeah. Um. So this is Micro Mark. It's the name of this thing, and yeah. it's it was delivered to my wife. I don't know how she got on their mailing list, and I didn't. But uh, I'm thankful she. Somehow, probably bought something for me on there somewhere. No, or dude, she's, I, she's a closet miniature painter, yeah, dude. Uh, she's no, she's like a closet model train set. Maker. <laughs> yeah. So this is um, Micromark is out of the United States, but I'm sure that there are companies in Europe and around the world um, that you can get a similar magazine to this. Proxon. Ah, uh, yes, Proxon. Great. Yeah. And so, this magazine is filled with obscure stuff related to Beautiful. adjacent to our hobby. Yes. Crazy things that they've used for years in scale modeling and yes. train building and little tiny boat building. Yes. And all these things that I wouldn't know existed until I read about them in here. Mm -hmm. And I look at the pictures because it's great because there's pictures everywhere. So that you get to see the thing that they're you know trying to sell you. Man, magazines are great. It's, this is different than like, I am just going to go to, um, Miskin Toy Soldier store. Shout out to them. Hell yeah. Great, great store. Yeah. But I can't peruse on an online store as easily and find things I didn't know I needed. Yeah. You got to dive into these different sub menus and crap and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And not every store and not every place has got great pictures or descriptions too. Yeah. That's the other thing here is they'll, they have a short paragraph, but it's like well composed about why this thing is interesting or what it does really well. Sure. And so I get to find out about things that I haven't made an order yet, but I'm, I'm on the fence. I had like a couple things circled in here. Hmm. Um, but that leads me to what I wanted to do this afternoon. What? You want to go to Marco Mark? Oh, no, I want to go to Hub Hobby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hub Hobby is the physical version of a store where this is the the paper version. Yes. Where it has everything. Yes. And it's not a store you'd walk in there and you don't see Warhammer models all over. Now they do have a little shelf with them. Mm. Not yet. Now they do. So you wouldn't think like, oh, this is like going to my low friendly local gaming store to get my paints and all that stuff. Well, first of all, they do have like every Vallejo paint ever. Yes. But they're really focused on the miniature scale modeler. Yes. Hobby more than our hobby. But there's so much in that stuff. That's awesome. Yes. Super awesome. So whether we do that today or another day, whatever, I want to go there and spend some time and buy some crap. Yeah, dude. Just go through the aisles and find just weird stuff. It's so much weird stuff. And like, um, what do you call those things? That that How can I not think of what they're called? Gundams. Yes. Because um, they have a huge section of that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. too. It's like, oh, there's things that these folks have been using in this hobby that would work for us, too. Let's Absolutely. check it out. Absolutely. I am not buying a Gundam, though. No? Can't make me. Why not? I don't know. Now I probably will. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a, I had a similar experience with Micromark. I don't know how I found it, 
but I was working at Cray, my old software engineering job, and I was not doing my job as per usual. <laughs> and I was browsing the Micromart website, and I was like, this is so much amazing things, so many amazing things. Um, and I think, I think when I really started to click is when I saw the tiny anvil and tiny hammer. And I was like, this is just normal stuff, but tiny. Yeah. There's a tiny table saw on his website. Yeah. <laughs> tiny chop saw. It's, it's all these ridiculous things. It's so, it's like just so much novelty. Um, and I emailed them and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm resetting up my workspace and I'm going to make a video all about like the ultimate miniature painting workspace, which I did eventually. It was before this. Um, and I was like, would you like to sponsor the video? And it's probably some, supply with some tools to like kind of kit out my new space. No response. Uh. <laughs> but I was like, I want free shit. Um, but yeah, I, I love the stuff in there and I'm glad you reminded me of it. Cause now I want to buy stuff. <laughs> it's so great. There's the picture of the mini chop saw in here. Yes. And it looks like someone is like from a home Depot ad. It looks like a regular chop saw, except there's a little finger in there that shows how <laughs> tiny it is. It's by a little bandsaw too. Like, yeah. Wee-w. I love it. You know, a scroll saw is actually a, a power tool that a lot of miniature hobbyists could probably find value in mm. um, for really, you know, cutting like very thin sheets of brass or, or anything with very like, you know, ornate curves because stuff is small and things like that. But we digress. What's the next item? Uh, that's all for our preamble. Okay. Yeah. I like this preamble section where we just talk about whatever we want. Yeah. This is where we want to talk about something, but it doesn't fit into our preconceived notion of what we should be talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Next is what we painted. Ah, okay. So, Scott, have you finished painting anything ever? No. Okay. I actually have not been painting a lot. I have five videos to edit. Well, I had five videos to edit. I've edited two of them, and now I have three left. So there isn't a need for me to paint at the moment. Sure. But I have that Patreon thing. This is Paul Kroger. We're painting the Chronicler from Scale 75, which is a... The character from the comic book series or the the book series called the genesis if you're familiar with that um it's kind of like a sci-fi nomad wanderer kind of guy and i'm doing my study in green with it as you refer Ooh. to it with roman Lapot. yeah and every every aspect of this miniature has green in it at some point um and it's it's so, it's so close to being done i have to paint his face and that's really it uh which is just like a metal robot face and then put him on a base that rhymed cool uh but yeah, that's it, and then it'll be done. Um, I know we probably showed it before on the uh, on the podcast, but we're gonna try something new with the uh, with the sepulchral guard in the future going forward. This this the idea of everyone painting a model one part at a time. It didn't really work out that well. Mm. Only one person finished out of like maybe the seven that started. So one plus you, or does one include you? Uh, one is does not include me. Oh, I, I didn't even finish. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. I, I'm at like 90%. Uh, this no, is I'll your thing. It. I know. It's my thing. All right. So where did you... Th- this is a conversation I would typically have with you like after we're done shooting this, but the cameras are rolling, so I'm going to ask you anyway. Sure. Why do you think it didn't work? I think it didn't work because the way we chose the model was I gave... Or everyone gave suggestions of 75 mil miles they wanted to paint. Mm-hmm. And I tossed in my own ones. And then we had, I think, one or two rounds of voting uh, where you could vote for your favorite two. And that was one that won. And I think a lot of people voted that either intentionally or unintentionally had no desire to actually participate. And so the people that ended up painting it, myself included, uh, I know Eric, one of my patrons, and maybe a few others, didn't like the miniature that we picked out. It was oh, like, no. it's like, like, so their votes, while it had equal weight, 
uh, ended up going to waste because you know they ended up painting it and the people that voted for it didn't end up painting it oh no so i think uh i think the whole voting idea probably isn't going to work ever because someone's always going to be sad about the choice right sure so we have a different method that we're going to try out. Okay. Cause like there's, it's gotta be a middle ground there somewhere. Yeah. You want everyone to be excited about it. So they do it. Cause that's the whole point. Yeah. That's, that's checkbox number one. If you can't check that box, don't even worry about the other boxes. Exactly. But then how do you have some continuity or you have something where we feel like we're doing it together? Or there's some apples to apples comparisons. So even though you found a mini that you're excited about i found a mini i'm excited about they're not the same mini is there things that we can still learn together absolutely through this yeah that is the nut you gotta crack so we cracked it we're trying to crack it by a by a what the mm-hmm. via having a similar topic that we all pursue on miniatures that we pick oh perfect and so this this month's is painting african-american skin tones and oh. so uh, Haitian, uh, or sorry, black skin tones, African-American, Haitian, any kind of black skin tone, because it's something that I am not that well-versed, and I've done it two times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to try it out, and we're going to experiment, and we're going to come back, and we're going to you know discuss like what colors did you use, what did you find that worked, what didn't work, what reference material did you use, things like that, and we'll share that information. Interesting. Yeah, so that's one. That's the first idea that I've had. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Okay. That's what you painted kind of, sort of, kind of, a little bit. I painted for like four hours. Mm. That's it. How about you? I uh, I painted a thing that yeah. we talked about in a recent podcast. Let's get, let's get fiery. Yeah. Let's, things are about to get spicy. <laughs> um, there was a, a, what I would call the great 3D printing debate of 2020. <laughs> the great. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, where, um, we discussed 3D printing and its role in our hobby and the quality of resin cast minis. Um, we'll, you can find it in our catalog of recent videos. Um, in that video, I said, look, I, I painted a handful of these before, but I am going to go out on Etsy, find a very highly rated Etsy store that their purpose is to resin print and sell you um, 3D minis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And specifically, I got one that was an Artisan Guild mini because I know that they're a, a reputable company and they make pretty good looking th- sculpts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually get a like a business account or whatever they call it, some kind of partnership where you spend X number of dollars and then you can print those STLs for like for profit. So I knew that this was something that a person had done there and legitimate. Absolutely. Great, great rating. I, it's very hard to find on, on these stores, the, the specs on the, the printer that they're using. It's no, very bizarre to me. Yeah. Nobody tells you that's a super obvious metric to compare. Right. So I don't understand. Nobody tells you. Um, this person was the only one that I found. I'm not saying others don't do it, but I couldn't find any other ones from the handful <laughs> of minis that I, I wanted to buy. <laughs> Um, that actually gave you the head size printer or head size or the diameter or something, the uh, layer width. La- okay. Yeah. Right. Cool. It was like a 0.1 or something. This okay. one was, I don't know. Whatever. It was small. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some micrometer. Yes. Like, yeah. And so I ordered it and it cost me, I think, what did I say? $16. 16 bucks. Yeah. After shipping. 
and it arrived in about two weeks, which is fine, and it was well-packed. This is my full review. I'm not <laughs> getting to the painting of the model. <laughs> and it was printed in a peach-orange color kind of resin, so it was hard to tell up front. And this is not uncommon for 3D printing um, based on the resin color. Yeah, it's certain colors... It's gonna you're gonna make your life more difficult when it comes to cleaning them up, just because your eye can't see where there might be imperfections. Okay. So when I ended up priming it, I had to go back again and clean up more stuff because I just couldn't see because of the color. Anything that's kind of translucent, I just want to like just print them in like a mid tone gray, opaque gray. Right. And yes. I'll find the the stuff I need to, to clean. Um. Okay. Overall quality. You're really stalling on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Here it comes, though. Yeah, overall quality. Not impressed. Not impressed. Um, there was one major flaw to this, and I'm not going to knock them a ton of points on it because it seemed like an issue with the print itself. I'm not happy that you would freaking mail this to me when there's a giant gap of a squished out line right over his brow and of course it's a full line for that whole plane yeah, yeah so it's over his brow it's over the flag on his back it's over the the bones on his back it's over his weapon you can't clean that shit up when it's over his face right because then he's not gonna have a damn face anymore i'm not gonna give a lot of negative points for that in fact, I could have gone back and been like, this is not good quality. Send me another one. Probably would have done it. I right. didn't do that because I'm like, no, whatever. I want to. I actually wanted to see how when it was obvious that this was a, a defect, how bad it turned out at the end. Sure. You say like, you know, because listen, we're, there's only so many hours a day. It takes a long time to get these prints. If it's not 100% perfect, but it's pretty good, how does it still look? Right. I wanted to do that test. It It didn't look that bad. After I after I painted it, right. I'll show the pictures as guys. things tend to do. Yeah, it did. It was it was more you know expanded upon. That's not the issue I really had with it. The issue the issue that I really had with the overall quality is I can see all the print lines. This is a resin printed model. I yes. can see the lines. Some models lend themselves to not showing print lines. Some uh, like with big sweeping volumes that come down. Yeah. You can really, really see them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if I, if I were to give it a score out of 10 and I will just say 10 out of 10 is modern day GW plastic models. Sure. Cause that, that's a pretty good litmus test. If that's a 10, this was probably a seven. Seven. Really? It yeah. Was seven? Yeah. Okay. I think it was still a seven. I Where think does Reaper Bone Black lie on that scale? Ooh. I would say very, very similar. Um, it Reaper Bones Black do not have the lines issue. Sure. But they're not quite as crisp in the actual edges. The one thing that this does well, I kind of attribute it very similarly or maybe a half a step above like Simon plastic, mm -hmm. um, like recent Simon plastic. They've gotten better over the years where Simon plastic, it's on the similar level to me for different reasons. Simon plastic doesn't have all those lines, but its edges aren't quite as crisp. Okay. Here, the edges are more crisp, which is great. I really, you really want that oftentimes, but the lines do it for you. Now, if you're three feet away, are you going to notice a difference? No. So I painted him up, um, and he's an orc, and he's pretty cool. Is looking. it a female? It's a he. Oh. 
Okay, I thought I remember seeing it. I know it's a female. Yeah, and he kind of gives off this World of Warcraft vibe the the sculpt does. Definitely. So I kind of painted him that way. With I wanted a really vibrant green skin tone, and that be the main color, and just have everything else accented. Um, I did paint it in all contrast paints plus highlights, and there's an asterisk there. I only have like five contrast paints, so I use um, uh, Monument Hobbies uh, translucent paints, which are similar. They are almost the exact same thing. Really? They are they are the Chimera colors of contrast paint. And what I mean by that is, is okay, the yeah. colors they have are only like your basic colors. There's a yellow, orange, red, green, blue, purple, brown, black. I think that's it. There's no white, white transparent. Um, so is it every color in the rainbow? No. Can I mix almost everything I want? Yep, I can. They're super saturated. Yeah. They're very, very saturated. In fact, they're, they're as saturated or more saturated than the most saturated contrast ones. So, but the combination of using contrast medium and water, I can then control the dilution and how saturated I want them for a given. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I just use those, some of the contrast paints I bought and then a bottle of white, straight white. And that's what I'd use to paint that whole mini. Did you do the thing where like you mix white with the contrast paint to yep. get a highlight color? Yep. Okay. It's kind of tricky because you're dealing with some pretty thin paints when you do that. Yeah. Also, that's not, that's, I mean, like to me, that's not using contrast paint. Well, you're just all the base, normally now with a like, subpar product. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm speeding up. Here's my thought. I'm speeding up the base coat process yes. and adding more interest and depth to the base coat process. Yes. And then I just work up from there because just, I don't care who you are, just contrast, even over a strong, strong Xenothal is not enough depth. No, it isn't. And so this allows me to, and actually allows me to do it fast too. I'm not worried about what other colors do I have to mix or what, what kind of color do I have to grab that will kind of emulate a lighter version than this contrast was on there. It's like, no, I just took the thing and maybe I'll throw a little green in there with my highlight. Maybe I'll throw a little yellow in there with the highlight. So I add some different tonal variation. It's not sure, just like dark sure. blue, medium blue, light blue. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I just, I, to me, it's just deceptive to the end user. It's like, when someone's like, when Darren's like, I painted this shin with contrast paints, NMM. It's like, and the, the contrast paints did literally nothing for you. Mm. Everything that, the reason why that looks as good as it does is because you know how to paint NMM in that particular style. And you could do the exact same thing, if not a, a million times better, with normal paint. Mm -hmm. So... That, I guess that's, that's not even a. I'm not even trying to criticize what you're doing, but I just. Oh, you that. are. I heard that and I was like, ping. Like, so you're not trying to review contrast paints, though. No. Or you're not taking that model and being like, look, contrast paints amazing because I did this. It's like, no, yeah, you I have, have skills and that's why it looks good, yeah. not the product. I'm probably going to do that as a clickbait <laughs> title. <laughs> that would work. It would work. <laughs> I'm telling you. I taped it. I videoed the, the painting of this mini. So I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to do like a... Do a review uh, of it. I'm going to do like a one year later. I wasn't on the initial contrast train, so here's me trying to jump on the caboose while sure. it's leaving the station. Sure, yeah. Please yeah. watch this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad you did that experiment. Um, well, I want to show you this picture, and I'll put the picture up on the podcast right now of this miniature that is, is 3D printed. When you see that, what is your first impression? That looks really good. It looks crispy, right? Yeah, super oh, crispy. Okay, so I am 
in discussions right now with someone called Level 72 Studios. So the guys that sent me that bust back there. Yeah. So they're in statues. They're not into miniatures. They're getting into miniatures. They've hired some sculptors from Creature Caster, from P3, and stuff like that. So they have some some industry talent in, in the realm of miniatures. Um, and the I think it's the CEO, Chris. Um, he owns a standard like $150, $200 resin 3D printer. And he swapped out the panel for a 4K one. Did some, had someone do some like custom coding to get it to work together, and then printed that off of that hodgepodge of a device. And I was like, "Holy shit, how do I do that?" Yeah, because it looks so good. It looks so good. And so I'm never gonna do that because <laughs> it's not that important to me. But recently, Anycubic Photon reached out to me to do their sponsored video because they're making new stuff. And what I realized is their one of their new products has a 4K panel in it. Ooh. So it might not be that long until we have the option just to buy it. Whereas right now, the NKB Photon has, I think, a 1440p resolution monitor. This one will have a 2160p resolution one. So it'll be hopefully more crispy. Maybe that's all there is to it, a higher resolution screen. Maybe there's more to it. I guess we'll find out. Um, but... I'm confused how a higher resolution screen results in a better product. Let me you explain. Still have a razor, you still have a laser that has to create the things, right? No, no. So oh. the way that the each individual layers are created is that a the liquid resin is exposed to a layer at a time, the shape of a slice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if that if if the image is being projected on the bottom LCD screen can be more detailed than each individual layer that's being semi-cured is going to be more detailed. Oh. Does that make sense? Is Because it's got higher resolution, does that mean each layer is then in theory thinner? It's not thinner. So it's not getting thinner. But uh, imagine looking at it from a bird's eye. Yeah. Right? You see it, it's like a weird shape. It's like a slice of the, of the miniature. Um, that screen has more pixels now to represent that slice, which then just means that the image could be more accurate to what the slice is instead of Got you know it. being a little bit less accurate. So an image is an image, but it's also represented by a bunch of pixels, right? Yes. And the more you have, the more detailed it can be, the more accurate the color information is, et cetera. So same for the LCD screen on the bottom of a resin printer, it can be more accurate for each layer, resulting in a better looking crispier model. I think I kind of birched that description, but... I followed you though. Did you? Okay. So. All right, so maybe that's in the near future. Maybe we have access to really awesome resin 3D prints without needing mm-hmm. to hack our uh, consumer ones. Hack it. We'll hack see. the matrix. I, I will make say one final thing about this because someone asked a really good question on my Instagram feed when I shared the pictures of the orc. Yeah. And he's like, um, so what do you, what is, you know, do you think there's still any value to 3D, you know, resin 3D printers? And I'm like, bro, hell yeah. Bro. There's a ton of value. Bro. Right. And I said, here was my, the way I looked at it. Okay. If I bought one and wanted to produce a whole bunch of stuff for my D and D games, would I find value in that? Hell yes. Absolutely. If I backed a Kickstarter and all the minis came from the Kickstarter and they were printed on that printer, would I be okay with that? No, I wouldn't be because that's not, I'm not paying for a professional end quality product right for that but if it's something i can produce on my own i can get sdl files and print what's cool and i can all do all this stuff on my own i'm all for that 
And so I bought this as a product from a consumer level product, and it wasn't what I would have been okay with at $16. But if I would have spent the $200 and all the time and learn how to use it and get the STL files, and I can create a whole bunch of stuff for fairly cheap, cool. I'm, I think it's a lot of value. I think there's a lot of really usable value for the minis you can produce there. Sure. I, it, for a different perspective on why I think 3D printing is still valuable is I love the idea of printing Greeblies for terrain. Mm, yeah. uh, Miscast Terrain has this uh, this 3D set of like air conditioners, tubes, various sci-fi box that you can that you can print out and <laughs> stick to like skyscrapers or just buildings in general, and it makes it look so much more detailed. So so things like that yeah. are, are what excite me the most about 3D printing. Just accenting dioramas, accenting uh, miniature bases, all yep. kinds of stuff like that. I love, I love it for yeah. that. Doing the terrain for your boards on your games, like super yes. great for that. Yeah, do little, little, little brick walls and mm-hmm. ruins. Perfect for that. And that takes way less time than taking your freaking foam and your little cutter. And you're like, how are you going to make another 150 bricks today? Okay, don't, don't, don't step on those toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying time, 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 time. It's a lot of time. I've done that. We've, we, my friend Josh and I have built like full cemeteries for D&D out of those little bricks. He even has the, the, um, the, the foam, hot wire cutter, hot wire cutter the yeah. one that's on a table. Oh, he's got the on one. Yeah, dude. he's got that. And even with that, it took us like four hours to make one little churchy building. <laughs> Shout out to to Jeremy from Black Magic Craft, dude. Proxon lover. Yeah, it is an amazing tool, though. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, dude. Proxon profit. <laughs> Proxon. <laughs> Our <coughs> oh God, I'm dying. Okay, moving on to the topic for today, which is uh, given to us by a viewer, which is uh, something that you can do if you become a patron of the podcast. One of the three benefits we have for being a $5 patron is uh, the ability to submit topics for uh, us to talk about. And uh, let, me pull, let me pull up who it is because right, I didn't right. write that down. Are we going to sing their name? Yeah, that's the whole reason I'm looking. So the topic for today is balancing uh, painting display miniatures with uh, painting game miniatures. Uh, where do you, you know, how much time do you spend doing either one? Which is something that me and John often... Uh, Often do. We often live in that area. And it was sent to us by Jakey Poo. Jakey Poo. Jakey Poo. His name's actually Jakey Poo. That's what it was typed in here. And <laughs> what I want to know is is that our Jakey Poo? Is that, is, that, is that applesauce? Is that applesauce? Probably, yeah. Or is it somebody else whose name is also just Jakey Poo, which is weird that that is our nickname? For Jakey Poo. That's your nickname. For yeah, that's true. I don't call him Jakey Poo. I do. I don't know why. <laughs> you got those kinds of nicknames for everyone, dude. Yeah. Vincey V. Yeah, everyone. Jakey Poo. Become a become Joshy. a moderate friend of me, and I will have a name for you. What's my What's my nickname? You don't have one for me. I can't say it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a good question. I don't think it requires a whole lot of discussion. Maybe it will. I guess we'll find out. So, uh, yeah, John and I are self-professed display miniature painters. Uh, (laughs) God damn it. I hate funny sounds. I actually mean I love them. Okay. Um, Yeah, how much time do you spend painting display miniatures versus uh, gaming stuff? Uh, John, take it away. (laughs) Well, that's all I have to say. Back to you, Scott. Uh, I'll just reiterate the topic (laughs) and hand it off to you. Um. I would I would say it's safe to say, I would say it's safe to say, <laughs> Jesus, this is going, um, going places. <laughs> this podcast is going through the roof. 
<laughs> shoot for the stars. Um, it's safe to say that I think about this a lot. Yeah. Um, I want to play games. I want to have painted armies. Yeah. I want to produce a lot of painted minis. And on the other side of that coin, I want to get better. I want to paint something, uh, you know, 100% best I can. I want to try to improve. I want to take a lot of time, not rush it, whatever. How do I figure out what I'm going to do to achieve both of those things? Right. I don't, you know, these are the kinds of things that you and I had chatted once we discussed this topic that we th think about this a lot mm -hmm. in terms of balancing and what we paint and how we spend our painting time. And I haven't really talked to other people about this. So shout out in the comments if or in the Facebook page, if this is something you think about a lot, maybe it's just us, but I also kind of feel like maybe we're not alone in this. It's like, well, I want to get my stuff done, John. I want to get my army painted, John, but I also want to become better and take my time and learn new, new techniques and all this. So how do we balance them? Yeah. So far, I haven't found the magic bullet for that. Right. And I don't know if there is one. Yeah. I have a few ideas. Um, that I've never done, <laughs> but might work for you. At least you can try it out. So, of course, is the obvious where you could paint a display miniature and then paint three gaming miniatures and then paint a display miniature and paint three gaming miniatures. You could just go back and forth and that'd be mm. fine. You know, you could split it up based on how much time it took you. If it takes you 30 hours to paint three gaming things and 30 hours to paint one display thing, then do one per three. Another idea would be to uh, have an ongoing display miniature project that is at your desk that you paint occasionally. Uh, you, inter you intermingle that process uh, with the process of painting uh, your gaming stuff. Um, so you got a big old diorama and you work on that every now and then, just kind of uh, making sure it's making progress maybe once a week. Then you paint gaming stuff for the rest of the week. Um, that is another idea about how you can kind of split it up. Hmm. I think those are those are pretty good pieces of advice what what i find that i do that i've had the most success with for me is i i do whichever i'm most excited to do sure yeah and just the way i work it naturally kind of ping pongs right like i'm really excited interesting to you know knock out a full squad in my army and then it's like, ooh, I'm getting this itch about thinking about Golden Demon and an idea. And so I start by building the model and, and start to work and think about how I'm going to do some kit bashing and make it unique or whatever. And then after a couple of days or even just maybe one night, I'm like, oh, I'm getting overwhelmed, right? I get overwhelmed when I think about all the things and then can only do one at a time. Sure. And so I'll put that back down and then I'll paint this contrast orc in a night. And it just kind of, it helps me. It's like I'm a Tesla. <laughs> the new Teslas that have two batteries. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so now uh, I get the analogy. Yeah. So I can go way more miles before I have to recharge the batteries because I'm only ever using one at a given time, and that one gives a slight trickle feed to charge the other one. Oh. So I'm always going back and forth. Be a Tesla. Be Just charge yourself up. Charge yourself up. That's a great idea. Um, so you mentioned this ping pong thing. I find I'm a little bit different in that when I'm excited about something, that that is typically the best time to start on it. And it gets me through 70% of the process. Mm -hmm. And then the other 30% is an absolute slog. And if I stop doing it, I will never pick it up again. Mm, 
that's that's it cuts like a knife. So yeah, so ping pong is not the sport that I would say. Well, shitty ping pong. <laughs> <laughs> I hit it over the net and it never comes back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like tennis, but instead of in, inside the cage, every time you hit it out, you actually hit the tennis ball over the cage <laughs> yeah, yeah, into the gotta, basketball you court. Get a new tennis ball. Yeah, and in this case, tennis ball is a new project. <laughs> right, and you only have one tennis ball. So, <laughs> so you just quit painting. You just quit. <laughs> You just quit. Um, okay, I I I get that, and I think that there's some there's some good life lessons in that one as well. Sure, you gotta ride the wave. You know what I'm saying? You gotta ride that wave to get through the stuff that you can see is not gonna be smooth sailing. Yeah, but that's just gonna that's just gonna cut into the process faster. It's just gonna now I'm gonna get to fifty percent. If I spend all my time doing stuff I don't want to do, mm. then it's just gonna that's just gonna make me so I end sooner. How often <laughs> I think there's a bunch of us that do this different ways, but how often do you start a painting project, don't finish it? Not that you just like you're not shelving it, you're gonna finish it. You have every intention of finishing it. Sure, yeah. You shelve it and you go do something else. Do paint something else and then you come back to that one. Is that something you do often? No, you know, I never thought I was the kind of person to paint something halfway and then never finish it but i am oh you are i am yeah but it's not intentional uh-huh. everything that is a work in progress in that cabinet my sisters of the watch uh uh drazar um all of these things that i want to finish them but i have so many work in progress minis it's yeah, wild that case is like 75 percent some paint but not a ton yeah so <laughs> I never thought I was that kind of person, but I totally am. And it makes me sad. And you need to reflect on your life and where it went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had an idea. Did you want have something else to say about that, though? No, I was just going to reflect on myself because I'm self-absorbed. That's I, good. No, we should. I don't think you're as bad as I am, which is good. I don't think I'm as bad as you are, but I think every day that goes by, I'm getting further. To, it's getting worse and it's worse. It's getting worse and worse. <laughs> I think when we start, probably most of us, when we start this hobby or when we're younger and we first get into it, you are, you're, you're very focused because it's the one thing you, you don't have to worry about as many variables. Right. I'm going to paint this Stormcast. Yes. It's, and then it's you a paint beautiful the place. It's a beautiful yes. place. I say... Try to stay there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. This is the number one advice I give to all beginners. It's like, don't buy more than you can paint. I mean, buy all you want. No. I mean, buy all you want. But I'm just saying, if you... It's tricky once you're getting into, like... Don't buy. Big armies or multiple armies yeah, or different, yeah. whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I'm saying, I'm out even... Oh, I would advocate that that is not so bad as long as when I'm painting a model... I don't shelf it until it's done, especially when you're new, because the full cycle of painting a model start to finish, there's something important to learn at each stage. And if I'm like, okay, I'm going to do all the gold on all my storm casts and it's 2000 points worth. Now there's some value in when you're talking about batch painting and stuff, but if you don't take a single model start to finish, you're kind of chopping up some of the lessons you can learn along the way. And so I, I really like to tell folks, especially when you're new or even intermediate or even advanced, like if you, if you are really into something, if you put it down and come back to it later, there was something you had planned, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, that you're going to lose with time. 
and you're not going to have that momentum or that excitement. Maybe there's something else that excites you to come back to it. Or maybe you just got ADHD and I got to be working on three minis at any given time, whatever night I'm excited to work more on that one. That's the one I work on. That's cool. But finish all three and then get a new set of three. That's a pretty compelling reason for anyone to want to finish the things they start. Mm -hmm. That there's value in finishing what you start. Just not even from a miniature painting perspective, but from any perspective. Yeah. Just to, just to finish what you start. It's simple math, right? If I paint two minis to 50% and I paint one mini to 100%, which one's more value? They both equal 100%. But the one to 100% will be far more valuable in terms of what you can learn. I don't know if that's true. I think you still, I think it'd be, I think that hundred percent miniature will be more valuable to other people, but I think you still learn something, um, in both, uh, in both processes. But what you're saying is that you learn more when you, when you painted that one to a hundred percent merely because you're not repeating yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, we talk about the, the, the final 10 or final 20% of a mini right. being the most exciting stuff because it looks like it's going to end up looking. Um, and I think the more time you can spend doing those those steps, those end steps, the better your final product's going to be because there's a lot of ground you can make up quickly as you improve your last 20% of a model. Because if you think about this from a base coat standpoint, yes, there's things I can do in the base coat stage, that which ends up taking a lot of time. Especially there's a lot of fiddly bits that are a lot of different colors. There's a lot of time taken there. And there's things that I can do in the base coat stage that will make the final product end up looking better. And I will get better at that, whether it's just being more crisp in my brushwork and separating, whether it's having a kind of a blended base coat, whether it's working with, with some undercoated and shading and, and, and you know wet blending of base coats or whatever. That's valuable. But for one hour of that, working on getting better base coats versus one hour of the last final details on highlighting a face, I'm going to have a better end product if I can get better at that last hour. Yeah. That's why I say take one model all the way to the completion. If you're the kind of person that wants to be a better painter, but you have a lot of an army that's, um, well, the, col the skin's painted base, the armor's painted base, his cloak is painted base. Yeah. If that took you 30 hours to do, it's still, you're still going to get better, but not as much as 30 hours of this unit of 10 minis from that army all the way to completion. Interesting. This, I mean, this is something I can't, obviously you can't argue with this, right? Like you were going to experience different troubles and different uh, problems that you need to have unique solutions to when you paint the latter half of the miniature versus the first half. And if you think to yourself, Am I the kind of person that can paint an entire Stormcast Eternal Army in one go and make it all the way through? If the answer to that question is no, then paint one unit at a time. Because like John is saying, you're going to find new things you learn because you finish that one unit as opposed to having your entire army half done. Now, we'll make one counterpoint, and that is that this is kind of a, this is kind of a cheap shot. For a lot of people, the miniature hobby is about having fun. So if you're not having fun, why stress about it? Yeah. But to counterpoint my counterpoint, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my brother got me this book a long time ago called Do Hard Things. Uh. And I never read it. <laughs> <laughs> it was too hard. 
I'm not a big book reader, uh, unless it says Warhammer on the front. Uh, Someone reads it to me <laughs> while uh, feeding me grapes. <laughs> I just pictured you sitting in like a lawn chair and someone's feeding you grapes, reading you a book. Like feeding me grapes, not like royalty, like a child. Yeah. <laughs> you got to cut They're them in frozen. half. They're you got to cut them in half so the child doesn't choke and they don't accidentally go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, the sentiment I can appreciate from the cover of that book, which is in life, sometimes you just got to do hard things and you can't always look for the easy way out. And mm-hmm. I have no science to back that up, but it just feels right saying it. <laughs> there, I, I am with you. I think that if we think about the times in our lives that we feel the most satisfaction, I think satisfaction is a word that it's kind of like fun. It's like but, joy. Almost. But it's satisfaction is fun times a hundred. Right. And I can have fun playing Mario Kart. Yeah. But I can have satisfaction of placing in the top three in a Mario Kart tournament, uh, you know, broadcast on Twitch for a million viewers. Right. Because it was all this work, all this effort, all this focus that allowed me to get that, you know, blue shell game on Pat. I right? am inspired right now. <laughs> right. And so that's, I can have fun while I'm in that tournament. I can have fun on your couch playing Mario Kart. But the satisfaction is all the effort and hard work I did paying off. And if we think about the times, all of us have these, the times in our lives we look back and are most fond of and is, is often tied to satisfaction. And satisfaction's got a direct correlation to hard work. Yeah. You know, the things that you're, even if it's at work, even if you don't like your job, there's something at work that happened, whether it was a project, whether it's something you just, you took an initiative on, um, something that you did above and beyond that your boss would tell you to do, it ended up being a big impact. That's something you have satisfaction on, even if you hate your job every Monday morning. So find that here. And that's where I'm saying, even if it's my very first mini and uh, I didn't like how it turned out, I think I'll, re- I'll strip it and start again or I'll just paint over it. See it all the way to the end and then go to bed that night and wake up the next morning and pick it up. And you'll have satisfaction because you did something all the way through. And so I think that doing hard things... Sometimes we have to sacrifice a little bit of fun in the moment, but I guarantee you the satisfaction you get at the end will drive you to the next mini and get better and have fun in the moment. You should write a book. So you don't read it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love how you made a Mario Kart analogy when exactly what you're saying could be one-to-one said in miniature painting. <laughs> Like, like the viewers are going to understand Mario Kart better than they'll understand miniature painting. Anyway, what you describe basically is is like painting a single miniature. It's like I might enjoy thirty percent of the process, but I'm going to enjoy the end result. I'm going to have satisfaction from it, from the accomplishment of grinding through uh, that the less desirable part of of painting. Um, yeah, and you, I mean. You could certainly enjoy even the hard times. You can enjoy struggling through something. You can enjoy where it gets kind of boring. Right. Or you can be less like Scott and I, and you don't have any of those times. We found out that most painters are that way. They're not <laughs> like us. Um, I enjoy it. I think you enjoy it too. I think when you're attaching something else to it, that's where things can get muddy. If you're just sitting down and painting a wood elf for fun, I think you enjoy it. I think if you're painting that wood elf because 
it's got to make it to the crystal brush cache in three weeks, or I have to have a video done and edited and, you know, launching by Friday. There's suddenly all this other baggage associated with it. And I think sometimes this is just my uneducated psychological uh, analysis of you that you tie those things together. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you, you tie the baggage and the pressure and, and the expectations you want to live up to. You funnel those into the wood elf. Funnel. When it's not the wood elf's fault, Scott. Oh my gosh. The wood elf isn't your dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about something else, but I also want to talk about what you just said. But what you, what I'm what I want to talk about related to what you just said is not necessarily on topic. Oh, so I don't even remember what the topic is at this point. So the topic is splitting your time between display painting and game playing, game painting, game model painting, whatever. Okay, I'm gonna remember both things. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> um, so okay, put a put a a bookmark in that. All right, we'll okay. come back. Um. About the main topic, though, I thought something else I wanted to say. Um, I think Vince does a great job of this, where the things he's painting for gaming are oftentimes related to what he paints for display. Not always, but sometimes. And what I really like about this is that it's this hybrid approach of you can learn things quickly, painting things for gaming, and then apply that learning to uh, the display model. So for Drazar, I painted a test model for the red and for the white because I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. And that test model could have very, very easily been a, a witch that was going to be in a squad of 10 witches. Um, and you can try things out and then you can take that information and paint the more important thing. And so they can be really intermingled that way. Mm. Also, Vinci V paints more mi- models than anybody I know. He paints so much. So when he does something he's inevitably done something like it for an army in the last six months. (laughs) And so he's just already, he already has that back catalog of information. And that's something that we're all getting. I think Vinci V is a great example of kind of a tangible example of that. Like when I'm seeing him paint his cities of Sigmar army, that's all this crazy kit bashes of stuff um, to make his unique cities of Sigmar army. And then I see something he's painted for a high-end display, I can see influences yeah. of something he'd been working on where he'd learned, and he's directly applying that. That's what we're all going to be doing, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. Every time we paint something, sure. there's something we're going to take towards uh, getting better or, or painting a display model. Right. Yeah, I'm saying there's value in being conscious about it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's something I probably could improve on too. Yeah, that was uh, that was advice that I got from... I think it was Ben Comets when I interviewed him at Adepticon two years ago, three years ago. Um, he was like, yeah, you should consider practicing on smaller, less important, less uh, demanding figures with your ideas and then applying it later on. Um, so shout out to Ben Comets. Also shout out to Vinci V. He, okay, he pays more than both of us. I know that. <laughs> yeah, he But is it is it a lot? When I think of a lot, I think of Rodrigo Corre. Dude's constantly pumping out a beautiful miniatures. Yeah. And uh, Trent Dennison. Yeah. But this is, I guess it's different because Vinci does a combo of the display and yeah. the army. If we're talking about actual models, I think... Like model count, okay. Model count, I think he, like, pees on the grave. How many more <laughs> How many more models he paints than a Corey or, or Deno. But if he he probably... He doesn't probably paint as many to the seriously high standard that a Corey does, 
but he's probably not too far behind. And he's also, oh, by the way, also painted 4,000 points in Age of Sigmar in the last two months. <laughs> Dude has more armies. He's got more fully painted armies than probably the all the listeners of this podcast put together. <laughs> he's crazy. He's crazy. But it's all those hours clocked. I don't even want to think about how many hours he paints in a given week. Because he's got to paint. Vince, dude, crap. how much do you paint in a week? In yeah. hours? And he's also doing the Warhammer Weekly every Wednesday. And he's creating at least a video a week. And he does the, the Saturday show. And the dude is just, I don't know. What the heck? I don't, and he works full time. And he's married. And he's married. And he's got a doggo. Does he have a child? No. Okay, yeah, that uh, that would just blow my head off if, if that was the case. No, then I would. That's see, that's the thing. That's why I had a child, so I can say Vince. This is why I don't. This is why I, I don't paint as much as you, Vince. Yeah, I have I, a kid. I have a kid. It's a good excuse. It's good. I'm gonna lean on that. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Bookmark. Oh, we're back. We're, we're back. That's all. Oh, did you have something to say about that? The only thing I I wanted I wanted to say this at the very beginning of this conversation and completely spaced on it. When we say painting a display model, yes, for us, we are actually talking about painting display models for competitions. That doesn't have to be what it means. No, yeah, and, and I think I'm starting to gravitate away from that meaning too. I might just paint a display model f- for the fun of it. Um, that's not game related. Yeah, it's it's trying to paint your best or better than your average painting for an army sure yeah right. somewhere yeah. in there if if painting for your army is a 50 percent, 50 percent ball sack we're talking about <laughs> 80 to 100 percent ball sack that's the range how much okay yeah 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 yeah. no no I'll go up to a hundo a hundo like a hundo ball sack is really scary to try to yeah. do you get testicular cancer in army. <laughs> you're right no no i had another idea another great thing about Mixing in display models, or what John just described as display models, which is definitely the same thing. It's a model not intended for gaming, period. Um, is you get to explore other uh, factions in the game you chose. Mm. So uh, I liked Queek Headtaker when I was a little young lad, which is a Skaven model. So I bought him and painted him. I liked a slaughter piece. Piece, a slaughter priest from uh, from the corn piece. corn bloodbound <laughs> slaughter piece uh, from the corn bloodbound army. So I bought one and I painted one. Um, it's so much fun to buy a character from a different race and just paint it and enjoy that because this looks cool. You don't got to invest in the whole army and you right. can just test it out. It's great. I and love you're, that. You're not locked into a color scheme. Yeah. Too. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because a lot of folks are going to say, "What John and Scott." Why don't I just do my 100% ball sack on my HQs or my named characters or whatever for my army? And you can do that. You certainly should. Absolutely. But there's always, you're going to have some kind of hovering demon over your shoulder that's like, but you must use this yellow. (laughs) (laughs) This is the yellow you use for your whole army. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're restricted yourself. And when when you place these restrictions before you even put paint on mini, Suddenly, you you don't get to just be free and and try something new and experiment and and you know in, in investigate that ball sack. <laughs> yeah, do a little coughing. <coughs> We're still good. We're still good. All right. Uh, the my, the not related topic you mentioned about how I have this baggage when painting other models. Totally true. Um, one thing I want to try. And I don't know why I'm going to try it. Maybe it's the first six months of next year. Um, I want to try to make videos whenever they're ready to be made and not have a, a weekly schedule. Maybe that's 
There are so many channels on YouTube, like Mark Rober, like DIY Perks, like uh, Nerdwriter, um, who release videos that are you know maybe once a month, maybe twice a month. That are these insanely huge projects, the culmination of t so much work, and the end result is so amazing. Um, and this doesn't work the greatest for YouTube. Uh, it's good to be in kind of the mind's eye of people and to be, you know, the more stuff you make, just, just in general, when you split your effort among multiple small things as opposed to one big thing, you tend to do better in terms of your finances, in terms of your impressions and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. fuck that, uh, <laughs> politely. Fuck that. Um, I want to make, I have these, these, these fun things I want to do that I'm super hyped to do and I want to make a video about it. I don't care how long it takes. You know, I'm just, I want to make it and it's going to be cool and everyone's going to like it and I'm going to be the coolest boy. Ah, okay. You already have the, you already have the, the final verdict <laughs> and you're just rocky on the top of the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh oh, uh oh, the hounds, werewolves in London. Up. Up. It was like a pube on this microphone. <laughs> Yeah, my balls on this <laughs> uh, I, I like that. I like that throw the caution to the wind. I don't know what that has to do about anything, Scott, but I'm it glad has that to you do with it. me enjoying ah, yes. painting for what it is, for what I like about it, and not letting other baggage of sponsorships of of uh, of a weekly release schedule just let that fade away, melt mm. melt into the abyss. Mm. So yeah. Uh, shout out, not shout out. Sound off in the description if you think I should do that, and I will. Mm -hmm. a, side note, I'm gonna do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you say. Everyone's gonna be like, no, no, because there, okay, there are a lot of good videos that come out of having a weekly schedule. the The blind touch test is an example of that. Mm -hmm. I would never make that if if my release schedule was how I'm describing, like not like not weekly, but it is, and we did that, and it was fun, and there are tons of examples of where that's the case. Yeah. It was fun. Anyways. Shoot, I was going to say something I forgot. Sorry. Okay. So I think if we want to put a bow on this topic, if I had had one final suggestion, if you're like, oh, let's just fast forward through this whole topic and we'll just cut the last 15 seconds and say what they say. TLDR. Yeah. It would be, it doesn't matter what your ratio is mm. to painting your army and painting to, to get good or display painting. It doesn't matter what that ratio is, as long as you're consistently putting paint on mini. <laughs> that's it. That's the secret. That's the secret sauce is whatever excites you paint every day. If you can, or every day that you can don't find an excuse not to, if you do that, whatever you're drawn to to paint, you will get better. If that happens to be part of an army one day or, or a whole month. Great. If it be, it's like my army is gray plastic. It's been that way for three months, but I'm just loving painting these busts. Perfect. It's all gravy. If you're putting the paint on the mini asterisk and finishing that mini. Right. And yeah, don't just, you know, don't just paint the boots <laughs> and then nothing else. Right. <laughs> you can see from my massive collections of painted boots, <laughs> painted boots. All of the rest of the miniatures are gray except for the boots. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good summary, a good reminder of what's important. All right. All right. All right. Out of the news. Oh, newsy news. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about... What do you want to start with? Let's talk about a Kickstarter. Which one? There's two Kickstarters we're talking about. I got a pee so bad, Scott. Okay. We're going to take a brief intermission while pee break. goes. In I'm just going to get a milk jug and pee right here. Do, 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 do
All right. And we're back. John took a B break. He's good. Now we can talk about the news. Yeah. You have a Kickstarter you want to talk about. Well, let's talk about both of them. Let's talk about the less. They're both kind of related for the same thing. Okay. So the the new Nemesis Kickstarter came out, which is for a board game that has miniatures in it. So it's related to our hobby. Um, And uh, it came out, you know, this is an expansion to the game. And uh, the first one did very well. I don't have any figures on how well it did the first one but this second one is at or is done it's over and it grossed 6.5 milli million dollars for a freaking board game expansion an expansion not a board game an expansion to a board game but i'm sure in the kickstarter you could still buy the base game and all that stuff i looked in it because i had never oh even... it's standalone it's standalone okay so it's, it's a board game it's a board game yeah you can yeah bruh I never even heard of this game. That's some fat cash. That's some some fat stacks. I've I was aware of the first one. I was like, oh cool, it's like an alien style horror movie board game. Cool, I dig it. I didn't get it. I don't really care about that genre so much. But if you did, I could I could yeah. see getting it. But the first game must be good to warrant that kind of a success. I'm just looking up right now what Frosthaven did. Okay, so so John John loves Kickstarter. The idea yeah. of Kickstarter. He loves these get rich quick schemes. And how how that relates to Kickstarter, so he's he's always on the on the lookout for right. his way of quitting his job quick with some <laughs> sick hobby tool or something. <laughs> yeah, I got all I got the sham wow of hobbies <laughs> coming your way <laughs> in the slap shop. <laughs> yes, yes. So yeah, uh, that was amazing. Frosthaven did just under thirteen million. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because that's a mini board game. And which what? Oh, that's Gloomhaven's sequel. Yeah, which I'm oh. in the middle of playing Gloomhaven right now. Man, I don't know if we talked about this or not, but that game's fun as shit. Is it? Super fun. That's awesome. But anyway, that one's got minis too. Gloomhaven and Frosthaven don't have very many minis. The only minis are the, just the, the characters. P- the characters. Yeah. Everything else is cardboard standees for the bad guys and stuff. Right, right. But yeah, this alien-looking rip-off game looks like... whoa you know more minis for the bad guys and stuff yeah and I'm, absolutely. Guessing I'm guessing it's fun as crap for making that much money yeah it can't it can't that can't just be just for the models the game no. has to be good no the uh, models are solid but they're nothing to write home to ma about no you know what i'm saying yeah i know what you're saying bud you know what i'm saying okay in the realm of kickstarter as well oh boy squid more miniatures god damn it ml god damn it fucking a bro ml what the hell <laughs> So ML's making some badass paintbrushes. Yeah, with some badass packaging. Yeah, that that Pringles can is the best Pringles can. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I think it's it cool reminds me of Jurassic Park with the shaving can, the <laughs> and like the the dinosaur DNA in it. Why are you laughing so much? Because it's, it's exactly right, That's and haven't even is. thought about yeah. it. You need to have the little CO two come out. Uh, when yeah, it the case. that would be such a good thing for the product shot if you had the <laughs> fucking CO two. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, he had Kickstarter for the Squidmart Mark One brushes. Um, as I understand it, he had Da Vinci help him make the brushes. Mm-hmm. He sent me a few. I painted the Chronicler with them. I painted, uh, I used them during my 38-hour painting spree. And they operate just like I expect a natural hair Kalinsky brush to operate. They Solid. keep their tip. You wash them every once in a while. They, they they last for a while. They don't curl after one sesh, even after one 38-hour sesh. Woo! They, uh, they're similar to Da Vinci. They have, uh, you know, they got a nice fat bottom. Not as fat as the Raphael's. Well, he might not send me a size two. 
I don't know. I'll check that. But they operate just like you want them to. So they're good. If you need natural hair bristle brushes, it works. But also. Also. Busts. He's added miniatures. Five busts. That's a lot of boosticles. That's a lot of sculptors and illustrators to work with. That's a lot. That is a lot. And they're not all by the same artist. They're like, no. each one's a different artist. Yeah, what the heck, dude? Yeah. Do you sleep, Emil? <laughs> That's a lot of balls to juggle. Also, we <laughs> we know Currently, Emil is really good at juggling balls. That's what we know. Swedish people in general are good at that. No, oh, spicy meatballs. Okay. We didn't discuss. This is currently at $449,000. That is bullshit. Good thing, though, is Emil... <laughs> that is bullshit. <laughs> Emil promised to buy us each a Tesla. Did, Did you he? hear that? No. Okay, I may have said it, but he... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because he's, he's, you know, he's rich. He's rich now. He's rich now. Hey, this is the thing about Kickstarter, though, is like you see that number and you're like, oh, my God. Well, that's gross. You know? It's gross. It is it's gross. Amazing. It is gross. It's a. Gr- it's the gross number. It's not his profit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you're talking about like financy terms. Yeah, financy okay. terms. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a- sick, bro. Sick burn. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to end up in his bank account. No. But, and if he screws us all up, um, you know, it's he's not going to have a fraction of that. So he better be efficient on his finances. Okay. Yeah. I'm not too worried about that. He's he can worry about that. <laughs> uh, he's gonna pro- he's gonna deliver. We've heard him talking about this for a while. He has done all of his homeworks. In, yeah, uh, um, it's gonna it's gonna be a rad thing. So yeah, if you need brushes, and the price is very respectable, right? It's definitely brushes. industry standard. Yeah, yeah, and industry standard. You don't get a sweet ass case. You don't get sweet ass Pringles case, dude. You don't get Pringles case. I want like free Pringles in it, but whatever. We can't get everything we want. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of bold miniatures when they were showing you how large their miniatures are. They compared it to a stack of Oreos. What if he had some Pringles in the product <laughs> shot? Just, you know, just to kind of make light of it. Right. Like, that'd be so fun. Um, but uh, the people he's getting to cast these busts are terrible kids stuff. You can see it down in like the who's working with me category of this Kickstarter. And uh, I have a few TSK minis. They're fantastic. Mm. Now, what I'll say is TSK, F-E-R, uh, <laughs> more acronyms. Basically, a bunch of European display miniature casters, uh, they might sell 100 miniatures of a variety. Mm. And that that's normal for them, and you know that that earns them whatever money they need to earn. Uh, maybe Black Sun Miniatures sells a bit more. Um, I was fortunate to sell a couple hundred of my my Duchess. This is like five thousand. <laughs> this is like five thousand. Okay, maybe not five thousand. No, it's got to be. It's like five thousand busts, individual busts. When Emil comes back to these guys, <laughs> these poor Spaniards or Italians, I don't, I don't know where they're from. <laughs> And he's like, guys, I need you to cast me five thousand fucking models. What are they gonna do? It's like they're gonna be like, what are we? First of all, they're gonna be like, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> and second of all, what the fuck? <laughs> How are we gonna finish this? It's crazy. It's crazy. Oh man. Yeah. It's like, all right, guys. Here's here's the here's the meeting. He comes in, sits down the table. <laughs> hey guys, you guys, uh, your name of your company is Terrible Kid Stuff. Well, I got some terrible news. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. On a more serious note, I'm super happy for ML. Um, this is obviously, 
this is great for all of us because if this if this kind of audience is there for other kinds of hobby tools that's going to inspire other creators to do different things and also earn a living doing what they love um so this is inspirational to me to other people and i'm glad that it worked so well for him um mm -hmm. truthfully and it's it's a testament to the value that it brings to us as consumers in this hobby as well and i think that's not something that we we should ignore we should see that these kickstarters are allowing folks with good ideas and the means to make high quality products for us viable mm. we are not chained to the big box companies sure we can we have choices we can see an, an area of our hobby that has room for growth or room for evolution and we can be the instigators for it and we can support those that are willing to take that risk this is great for our hobby yeah um so thank you for everyone that supported ml um ml i will see that tesla soon <laughs> just send it to uh minnesota please <laughs> that's my address. just the state <laughs> he's like i sent it i sent it to minnesota <laughs> john on it i don't know what your last name is <laughs> <laughs> you spelled John wrong. No, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you put an H in there. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nova's canceled. John. God. I'm, oh, man. The last bastion of hope. <laughs> <laughs> the citadel of man is lost. <laughs> Gondor. <laughs> Flee before your lives. <laughs> We were holding on. I wasn't. I was holding on. I knew it was it was end. I know. I times. thought I could tell that you did. So Vincey V and I, we you formed a pack. We formed a, a, a what we would call the op, optometrist club. <laughs> what optimistic club? Oh, I was like, you guys are like doctors now. <laughs> we just look at eyes. Um, <laughs> one or two? <laughs> camera one, camera two. So we. We were very optimistic. We were holding out hope. When one of us was down, the other one would be like, I'm feeling pretty good. It's going to happen. <laughs> oh, wow. That's right? so healthy. I love that. Yeah. We just we just sailed on a ship of lies and <laughs> sunk in the ocean. <laughs> and it, it's canceled. Why are all your metaphors water related? I don't know. You got the pools. You got the ocean. You got the... Sh I've been taking my daughter fishing a lot lately. Okay. That's what it is. So maybe that's where my time, my brain is, is based to like just think and absorb these things yeah okay. from nature yeah but okay i would say that your reaction to this being canceled was not as as upset as adepticon being canceled was that is that accurate yeah that's accurate because i didn't spend 150 hours painting a dragon for this one yet yeah and sure. and i uh, could use that dragon at nova open i could have yes i could have but then it would have felt like bonus dragon oh wait that was for creature casters thing anyways never yeah, mind, I, never mind. I, I had plans of what i was gonna paint actually i had bought something and this is, is i'm to blame i'm the reason no it's canceled guys i'm sorry <laughs> i finally figured what? out what i wanted to paint for capital palette nova painting competition okay. and i bought it and the next day nova was canceled <laughs> yikes i ordered it and it came then like a couple days ago and i'm like Son of a biscuit. Are you going to tell us what it is? Uh, it's. I'll tell you. It's from Kingdom Death. Okay. That's what I'll tell you. Because I want to paint something non-GW for Capital Palette because we don't have Crystal yeah. Brush anymore. Absolutely, yeah. So I want to paint something fun. And I oh, I opened up that Black Crow Miniatures uh, Wraith. Wraith, yeah. Because that's what I wanted to paint. This fucking sword is bendy AF, well, That's dude. easy to fix. Dude, it's so thin in its resin. I'm afraid that if I warm it up, it's just gonna go like bloop, become a blob, and just fall off. You're better than that. 
Well, you'd think so. That's the one thing that's stopping you from painting that model. You can fix that and I know I can fix it. 20 minutes. I know. I know. I could fix that. I'm going to paint it because it's an amazing model. Yeah, it's super cool. I'll paint it for something for fun. <laughs> yeah, you will. Sure. <sighs> <laughs> Instead, I'll just buy things that I want to paint. I never paint anything. All right. We have some one last thing. I'm, this is not new. But I recently read through the Lumineth Realm Lord lore uh, because uh, Andy Wardle posted a picture on his Facebook of like, what the hell is this? Is this a dark elf? And it's a it's an image taken from a Warhammer community post, which I'm assuming will be in a book at some point that depicts a elf in kind of more Sharpie and pokey armor that's purple. And it's in an article about Lumineth Realm Lords. So it's like, whoa, is there like another, is there a dark elf equivalent to the Lumineth Realm Lords? Mm. And so I read the article just to, you know, get the lore on. Uh, and it's a little familiar. <laughs> and by a little familiar, I mean a lot familiar. Uh, the Lumineth Realm Lords or whatever they are, uh, you know, they they do these things with crystals. They get super into these crystals. <laughs> That's not similar. <laughs> Elves high in crystal meth. Yeah. No. Anyways, uh, they basically uh, become too self-centered, too into the idea of becoming perfect, that they open the gates uh, of their you know area to Sanesh. Oops. And civil war happens between rivaling factions of elves. And this story... It's the exact story of High Elves and Dark Elves in fantasy. And it's the exact story of Dark Eldar and Eldar in 40K. It's like, it's a cool story. Is it cool enough to be used three times? Third time's a charm. It's not like, it's kind of, it's the same fucking thing. <laughs> it's the same God. It's the same Civil War. It's the same like. Crystals? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> crystals is different. Okay. So shout out to the guys that write the lore. There's a lot of unique stuff in there, but. Maybe there's someone up above. It's like, hey, we got to lean on this thing that we know works. It's like, no. It's just Is it? I, it's probably that. Here's my no background information hypothesis. Okay. It's These probably are, that Lunath Realm Lords, or whatever the hell they're called, are are high elves. They're different. Well, they're they're elves. I mean, they are they are the the new age of high elves high elves mm. will be fading into nothingness sure and they will be encompassed in the story of you know it, the high, the old high elves you ever knew never existed it was always us kind of thing and so they're going to just take that story and make it become theirs no otherwise no that's the only logical reason otherwise it's complete bs that you just straight up copy paste something from your own game already like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense. But, okay. Um, it's it, They're different. So that, that whole Civil War thing, opening a portal to Slash, that happened in the Age of Myth. Which you know what yeah. that is, right? Sure. Kind of. Mm -hmm. And the whole Civil War and opening... <laughs> the Age of Myth is what happened after the whole world exploded and we got all the realms we have now. Age of Myth and then Age of... I think I can't remember if it's Age of Chaos... Um, and then Age of Sigmar. Um, they're just different ages, which you know describe different power dynamic shifts. But the Civil War and the High Elves and Dark Elves and the opening of the Portal of Slanesh, that happened at a different time entirely. So it's there are two unique events, according to the timeline, that are identical. Doesn't matter. Okay, whatever. It's the same bullshit. <laughs> I noticed it. It was annoying. Oh, it you don't care. A, it you was don't on care. a different. It was on a different age, so it wasn't that it just it happened to these guys instead of these guys. It's that it repeated itself. It's two. It's the two unique timelines. 
with the identical things happening. Well, it doesn't matter. It's you're not, you're not you're not a fan of sig, nerd sig, lore. Sigmarception. Yeah, it's just happening again. <laughs> it's a lore inside of a lore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just have never gotten into it. I feel like there was there would be a situation where I would. I just haven't, and I just feel more comfortable making fun of people that do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get. I'm all about reading nerdy fantasy books. Um, so I and. You know, just not these. That pube is still hitting. <laughs> All right. Is that it for our news, e-news? Yes. Anyways, welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you. Listening to us talk about all kinds of things. Newsy news and display models and gaming models and Vinci V and everything. <laughs> ML's. ML's. Bullshit. Bonkers ass <laughs> Kickstarter. Uh, ML, a.k.a. Squidmar. Squidmar. We say that because we're good friends with Or it. Age of Squidmar, which is what it was originally. Yeah. It's funny when you, you ask him the origin of his name, and he's, he's like, like yeah, it was because... I like squids. Game joke from my local game group. Yeah. Like, ah, okay. Squidmar. Okay. Squidmar. Anyways, if you guys like the podcast enough to support it, which is crazy to me. <laughs> uh, there is a Patreon that allows you to do that. Uh, for five bucks, you get access to three different rewards, and that is extended podcasts, which are about 20, 30 minutes longer. You also get access to uh, supplying miniatures for us to give feedback on, not just any minis, your minis. <laughs> I don't know why I explained it that way. You can, yeah, you can submit your miniatures for us to give feedback for during the extended episode, and you can also give topics for us to give uh, discussion on during our topic phase of the podcast oh man this is rough um just like jakey poo just like jakey poo beautiful man uh so yeah those are the rewards for that you can also buy merch like john is repping our typed under plastic t-shirt right now uh and that's it talk about us with your nerd friends give us a review on apple Podcasts. all that stuff always help helps all the engagement comments on youtube etc is that all, John? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that is all. Other than put your paint on your brush. <laughs> <laughs> You're already inspirational. You don't got to double dip, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, well, I guess that really does mean we're at the end of the podcast. So until then, we will catch you on the flippity flop.